0: This is Wake and Bake with Reverend Kim. One of the biggest forms of suffering we experience as humans is self-hatred. We hear a lot these days about self-love, but not a whole lot about what it means when you don't love yourself, what it looks like when you don't, and how you got there. We're not born hating ourselves just like we're not born hating other people. It's taught to us. We learn to hate ourselves, and if we can learn that, We can also learn to love. But how? I remember when my own life fell apart, one of the times anyway, and everyone around me kept telling me to focus on myself, to just love myself and concentrate on me. Take care of yourself, Kim. Love yourself. And I was like, whatever, guys. What the fuck does that even mean? It was the most frustrating thing to hear because nobody had a how-to or even a what's that to give me. Just the words. Just the instruction. Love yourself. Right if I knew how I would have been doing it. So shut up about it. I was really, really frustrated. I also didn't feel like I didn't love myself. I wasn't depressed. I wasn't suicidal. I wasn't hating on myself and beating myself up, blaming myself for the falling apart that just happened. So then extra shut up about it. I didn't understand, but I began to, I began to recognize that lack of self-love shows up in all kinds of ways. I was wallowing in self-pity. My family had come undone, and I was sad for myself and my kids and my future, and I was becoming identified with my suffering. It was becoming part of my personality, and in hindsight, I was able to see that it was even a means of gaining attention. Otherwise, no one has energy, right, from others with my sob story. It was a good one. I could tell that tale with contagious heartache and big, giant tears. But all I was doing was perpetuating my story of rejection, my story of never being enough, of never being capable or deserving of the life and the family I wanted, never being worthy of the happiness I was convinced would always evade me. And that's not what love looks like. That's what conditioning looks like. It's a form of protection, a form of self-control. We learn to hate ourselves in the ways that we were taught to feel ashamed or unlovable in our childhood. Of course, new programming can be picked up in adulthood, but most of it comes from our early years. Parents project their own insecurities, fears, and inadequacies on the child, distracting themselves from their own self-hate. It's safer to hate out there than to face it in themselves, so it gets projected onto the child, who can never live up to the unmeetable expectations no matter how much they seek to please and conform. Approval is withheld, and their own identity becomes invalidated. There's no way for the child to feel safe and will instead begin to try to hate themselves into becoming what the parent wants them to be. The child takes over the adult's hating. The dysfunctional parent, and then the child themselves, thinks that with enough disapproval, suppression or change will occur. We're not meant to try and mold and shape our kids, though. That's just desire for control. Conscious parenting allows the individual expression of the child to emerge and then is supported. But that's not usually the case in parent-child relationships. It's not how society has been doing things. Parents more often project their fears and desires in an attempt to control and manipulate the reflection they see in the child. The child takes on the insecurities of the adult and takes on the hating too. The remedy, self-acceptance. Not trying to be someone you're not, not denying any part of the self, and welcoming and allowing the parts of you that you were taught are undesirable. It's all mental constructs. Jack, where is your self-hate? It's in the mind. It's a repetitive dialogue you keep reaffirming, and you live your life subconsciously looking for proof to back up your self-hate. Have a good look. What do you hate about yourself? When and where was that part of you first rejected? How has your life been repeating a pattern to reiterate those beliefs? When you feel yourself in the energy of talking down to yourself or feeling negatively, ask yourself the question, says who? You might be given an answer. Your mom or your dad might pop into your memories, but don't forget to see yourself included in that answer. Says who? Someone might have convinced you of this belief before, but who's repeating it now? Eckhart Tolle, the world-renowned spiritual teacher and author, tells the story of his own awakening. He was in such misery and depression at one point in his life, saying the words, I can't live with myself anymore. And that was enough right there. That was the catalyst for his awakening as he recognized an awareness listening in. If he can't live with himself, who is this he who can't? Who is the self that is hearing his thoughts? And out of his suffering arose his awakening. It really does have a silver lining. Suffering is the catalyst to awakening. The way out is through. We usually have to know what we don't want to know what we do want. We're lazy as a species. We get comfortable. We get comfortable and stagnant. And it's the nature of the universe, though, and of life to evolve and expand. Our suffering can be used as a tool to evolve. It's the soul's calling to recognize and destroy the ego. It pushes the awakening, a push for change to get out of identification with the self and into the soul. Personalities will always falter. Self sabotage is a great example of a pattern that we can fall into when we're not feeling worthy or good enough for success in whatever it is work, relationships, even health. Resentment and envy can also creep in. So, can feelings of comparing or competing. We repress and suppress and hide or go bigger and louder and shinier to attempt to distract from the perceived undesirable. We people-please and become codependent. We find addictions with substances and things and drama and toxicity. We overwork. We lose ourselves and feel lost, never having allowed our true identities to be expressed. That can change though. Keep an eye on your thinking, patterns, watch your surroundings, people included, I have no idea who said this, but I think there's some truth to the quote that says, before you diagnose yourself with depression or low self-esteem, first make sure that you're not, in fact, just surrounded by assholes. Sometimes we have to have a good look at the environment we're living in and make some, make some changes as we outgrow the need for the experience of that particular vibration. And if you're the asshole, well, that happens too. Forgiveness is part of it. We're not perfect. And sometimes we're the ones who have caused harm or suffering to someone else. Hurt people hurt people. And if you're operating from a place of self-hatred, then it's entirely possible that you may have something to come good with. That you may have contributed to some circumstance you're not proud of. And that's okay. To err is human. To forgive really is divine. It's true. When you're connected to the flow of the universe, when you're connected to your higher self, there simply is no space for hate Or blame or guilt or shame it's all forgiven and you can forgive yourself there in that place too for no matter what you may have done and how horrible you may deem it you can atone atone or at one connect with the all know your place within the one love the one energy and all is forgiven but how do you connect to that kind of love the unconditional especially if you don't think you've ever felt it before Think of your pet. Animals are easy to love and we let them love us back too. They're safe. There's no fear of judgment or rejection. No matter what we do or how awful we feel about ourselves, our dogs, our cats, our rats, our budgies, they let us love them and let us feel that love returned. They give us the freedom and the safe space to just beam and receive love. All pets are therapy pets. They're gifts of the unconditional. Connect to that if you can't find it anywhere else. And then slide the feeling of love over to yourself. No need for effort. You don't have to try and convince yourself for your worthiness or talk yourself into earning it. You don't have to talk your pet into it. It just is. So allow it to be the same way. For you, from you. Stay there for a moment and bake in it. Rise. Let your vibration lift to a place of forgiveness. Of acceptance. Of feeling full and capable and adequate. Allow it. It's not something you can force. You have to let the energy, let the space find you and fill you and cradle you and support you. When you try, you sink back into ego, wanting, controlling. This is also why I'm not a fan of affirmations. I don't think they work. Whatever you try to convince yourself of will be disproven and strengthened because you don't actually believe what you're telling yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't be working with an affirmation to begin with. It's too far away. The disbelief is the truth of the energy, and you'll create more self-hate when you can't make what you're trying to affirm feel real or true. You can't start there. Affirmations can help you tweak your personality later, program yourself, but not discover yourself. Until you do, you're just reaffirming what you believe you're lacking. So for now, you don't have to try and convince yourself to like what you don't like, but you can love what you don't like. Just bring it to neutral. Become aware of it and watch it no judgment. Accept it. Accept it and allow love for yourself anyway, even if you're not fond of what you've found. I prefer to practice what metaphysics calls a spiritual mind treatment, not affirmations. Treat your mind spiritually. Connect with your higher self, Christ consciousness, the universe, whatever you call it, and from there offer a prayer or intention to heal the mind and reframe the perspective to one of love. And you can ask yourself, what would love do? How would real unconditional love feel about the thought that I'm thinking? How would love ask me to proceed? From the unconditional space, offer the intention for change. From a place of love, not hate. You can't berate yourself into change. You tried it, didn't work. But you can let the unconditional and the freedom that comes with it create new patterns. Continue this practice, checking in and asking yourself the same question often as feelings of self-hate or doubt or confusion take over. What would love do? If you really loved yourself, how would you navigate your life? If you really loved yourself, what would you allow or tolerate or reach for? Too far away still? Then reframe it to ask, what would you say to your best friend? And put yourself there. Because why aren't you your own best friend? That's what your soul is. So ask the question to your soul and get used to asking it. Okay, best friend, what should we do? Another great question to ask, who are you separate of what you do? You are not your occupation. You're not your role in life. You're not the, just the mother, daughter, father, son, sister, husband, wife, friend. Who are you without those labels? Identity is formed by labels and programming. Approval and disapproval. Whatever people say we are, we believe. We become artists or athletes, bookworms, the golden child, bad kid, troublemaker, attention seeker, helper, caregiver, smart, stupid, kind, selfish. Who are you separate from those labels? Who are you separate from the things you think you are or aren't? Who are you separate from a visual of yourself? Who are you separate from your thoughts, separate from your emotions? Separate from your beliefs, separate from your dreams and fantasies, from your failures and successes. An effective way to discover that answer, to find your real self separate of all the conditioning, separate of the physical expression of your identity, is to look into a mirror. Try it. It's a game changer. I first discovered this when I was probably about 12 years old, looking in a mirror, getting ready to go to school, probably putting on blue eyeliner, but something happened. My perspective just shifted. It went deeper and my focus went into myself rather than at myself. I looked right into my own eye and saw and felt and experienced my real self. It's pretty trippy. Seriously, try it. Grab a mirror and pick an eyeball. And then look. Really, really look. At first, you'll notice your external appearance. You'll see your lashes and lines and wrinkles and pores. You'll see like, your pupil and the colors and probably blink a lot and maybe even get a little teary. But keep looking. Stay with it. Look beyond the physical. Look beyond the hatred of the body and all the labels and limitations that's been given. Not strong enough. Not thin enough. Look beyond ugliness, impurity, filth, inadequacy, mistakes, heartache. Look beyond the words bad, mean, selfish not good enough not smart enough not pretty enough not capable enough not successful enough too sensitive insensitive wrong look deeper go deeper give it time and don't rush it look right into your own eye and see and feel the space that arises because it will feel your soul looking back at you see beyond the personality beyond the flesh look into yourself and unite with the part of you that's unconditional. The part of you that knows that you can't be anything that you're afraid of. The part of you that knows that you can't be inadequate or damaged or controlled or conditioned or socialized. Not really. Accept your story and allow yourself to be who you are. We're not meant to deny our humanity union of self and soul. That's where we're, what we're meant to be experiencing. Accept the self and identify with the soul. Allow your imperfections. Experience your own divinity, your own beauty. You don't have to do anything to deserve it. Experience it. You are not what you do. You are what you come from. I am life, but I am also death. Mortality, humanity of the flesh. Accept it. Accept the journey that's taken you to this place, good, bad, and ugly. And accept the life force within you too. Perfection of the divine meets the imperfection of the self and nullifies the constraints. Opens you to the light. The poet Rumi said that the wound is the place where the light enters you. It entered my own life, and I found more peace and happiness than I ever knew I could. Embrace the wound and light it up with Reverend Kim.